From the Blue Ridge Mountains to the Chesapeake Bay, Virginia is a mecca for outdoor travel and adventure. Virginia Outdoor Adventures podcast brings listeners stories and recommendations from leaders and influencers across the Virginia outdoor community. Get the information and the inspiration to plan your own adventure right here in Virginia. I'm your host, Jessica Bowser. Where can you experience blue crabs foraging in saltwater marshes, turtles basking in quiet creeks, long-legged wading birds stalking in tall grasses, a historic lighthouse on an isolated island, dolphins leaping between the waves, or watermen bringing in the catch of the day? All of this can be found on Virginia water trails. Laura Sharley, a certified eco-tour guide, describes the paddling opportunities in Virginia's coastal region. Laura recommends some of her favorite trails for both beginners and advanced paddlers, as well as how to plan your next getaway, complete with lodging, shopping, dining, and local festivals. Let's go! Virginia Outdoor Adventures is sponsored by Mecklenburg County, home of Kerr Lake, or known by the locals as Bugs Island Lake, with over 850 miles of beautiful shoreline. Kerr Lake is an ideal location for boating, kayaking, paddleboarding, fishing, and swimming. With cozy cabins and inns, local wineries and breweries, farm-to-table restaurants, and quaint shops nearby, Mecklenburg is an ideal base camp for your lake vacation. Ready for your lake adventure? Download the travel guide and start planning your trip at visitmecva.com or click Visit Mecklenburg in the show notes of your listening app. We are also sponsored by the Virginia Department of Wildlife Resources. With the arrival of spring and warmer temperatures, Virginia wildlife is waking up and the Virginia Department of Wildlife Resources is ready to connect you to the wonders of nature. DWR is proud to connect kids to the outdoors through the Virginia Wildlife Grant Program. In 2022, 23 nonprofits, colleges, and universities woke up to grant awards exceeding $180,000 for programs such as archery, boating, fishing, hunting, and wildlife viewing. You can support this DWR effort through your purchase of apparel, wildlife guides, and outdoor gear at the DWR shop. The outdoors are better together. Help DWR connect youth to the outdoors by clicking on Shop DWR in your show notes or learn more about the grant program by clicking on Virginia Wildlife Grant Program, also located in the show notes of your listening app. Laura, welcome to Virginia Outdoor Adventures. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to excited to be here. What sparked your love for the water in Virginia? Uh, well, that's an easy answer. The barrier islands of the Eastern shore. Um, so I've been visiting those islands for, uh, gosh, probably since 2008, 2009. And I've been there many times. Uh, and it still blows my mind that so many islands, miles and miles of the Atlantic coast are protected from development. Um, I've been to Metompkin, Cedar, Paramore, Smith Island so far. I want to go to more. Um, and every time I go, I am completely mesmerized. I've been there multiple times. You'd think I'd like get over it, but it's just this wow factor that I, I can't get over. Um, being able to stand on the beach or in the marsh and not hear a single sign or see a single sign of human life is, is really cool. 
I can completely relate because every time I'm on the water, especially on the Eastern Shore, I have that same type of experience. But I also live in Northern Virginia, so I don't get to see it very often. So I often feel like it's something special when I go out there and it is something special. But to hear you say that you still have that same experience um, makes me really excited because I know that, it, first of all, it's not just me, <laughs> but yes. second, that you can have that experience over and over and over again and it never gets old. Yeah. And I live at the beach and I'm still just, it, it just, it's so awesome there. <laughs> it really is. So for the last 10 years, you've been chipping away at a personal goal of paddling around the entire Delmarva Peninsula. What inspired you to set this goal for yourself? My husband and I were returning from a camping trip in Southern Virginia and he was driving and I was just gazing out the window and we were going over the, the, bridge tunnel, Chesapeake Bay Bridge Tunnel. And we were coming up on the southern tip of the Delmarva Peninsula, Fisherman Island. And I just, just like, it is so beautiful there. I wonder what it would be like to paddle around it. And I was asking my husband, I was like, do you think it'd be safe? Do you think I could do that? And he's like, yeah, yeah, you're capable for sure. Um, and I was like, oh, I think I want to do that sometime. And then I was like, wait a minute. Why don't I just paddle around the whole peninsula? Um, I didn't have any like non-career oriented goals at the time. And I guess paddling 650 miles just sounded like a good idea. <laughs> 650 miles is a lot. Did you know that that's how many miles it was when you said, why not paddle around all of it? I had no idea. It's tough because like you could go up really far up some rivers and add hundreds and hundreds of more miles. Um, but basically, I'm, I decided to stick to mostly the outskirts of the peninsula. Um, but I've been chipping away at it for 10 years now, and uh, I think I'm at about 460 miles. So I'm getting close. That's incredible. About how many miles can you do per trip? I would say my comfort zone is like eight to 12 miles. Um, I have done as much as 17. And that was when I had kind of an older, not as sleek kayak. I have a new one. So I feel like paddling 17 miles now might be a little bit easier for me. Oh my gosh, I have mad appreciation for that because I usually <laughs> only paddle, you know, three, maybe four miles at a time um, on any given day. Now, I also have a very wide, like cheap inflatable kayak, so I don't have like a sleek, thin, sure. open water kayak like you probably have, but 17 miles, like, wow, that's kind of nuts, Laura. <laughs> yeah, yeah, most people don't tag along for 17 miles with me, but hey, three, four miles is, is still impressive and I have heard awesome things about inflatable kayaks. Um, if they get you on the water, that's all that matters. And that's kind of how I feel about it. It was the cheapest way for me to get on the water during the pandemic when most of the rentals had stopped. Right. So that, I mean, really, if it wasn't for that cheap inflatable kayak, I wouldn't have been kayaking this whole time. So I'm very grateful for it. But awesome. um, your experiences look amazing. When I look at your social media profiles, I see photos of you kayaking with wild ponies. I see dolphins jumping out of the water. Like you just find and experience some of the most beautiful things things. Are there any really memorable moments that stand out to you? Of course, paddling through a small pot of 
pod of dolphins is is remarkable and has an impression on you um and paddling right up to the ponies but in in a and chinkatig but in a way those are like the the touristy flashy exciting things i mean sometimes when i just paddle up into a marsh and there's the the marsh grasses are just like covered in periwinkle snails just like thousands of them like that's really cool to me and um you know seeing threatened and endangered shorebirds from a distance of course um nesting in in various areas and and getting to these areas that you can't really get to in any other way besides a kayak um the, those experiences have quite an impression on me as well yeah i i i can see what you mean um, the last time that I went kayaking on the Eastern shore, and I know I just, I keep going back to the Eastern shore. There's obviously lots of other places to kayak, but um, the last time I was kayaking on the Eastern shore, I was paddling through the grasses and then I decided just to stop for a moment and I stopped paddling and I held completely still. And after a couple of minutes, I started to notice things coming out that probably had scurried away when they saw me coming. Yes. Yep. Um, and that was when it really just became magical. Like I looked over the side of my kayak and there were blue crabs crawling all underneath my boat. And that yeah. was really awesome to watch them moving around. There was a hermit crab on the bank. And I remember I thought it was like a giant empty shell. And so I like reached my paddle out. I was like, Oh, I'm going to get that shell. And I started to poke at it with my paddle. Uh. And all of a sudden it moved. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, somebody's home. Sorry. Uh, oh, that's funny. I bumped him. So he got rolled down. <laughs> he rolled down the bank and then he came out of his shell and he had to flip himself the whole way over and just watching the process of how they dig like their little legs into the sand and anchor themselves and then pull the shell up and over themselves is so cool it's like and those are things you don't experience or get to see when you're on the move i mean diamondback right. terrapins were coming out of the water and those yes. are some of the coolest turtles i think i've ever seen um, i have been uh paddling through like a marsh creek and that has lots of twists and turns and it was just the right tide where some of the the edges of the mud bank were exposed and as i came around each curve it was like raining turtles because they saw me and they were basking on the edge of the mud flat and then they would jump in the water. And it was just like, as I kept moving through the, the creek, it was just like turtle plop, 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 plop into the water. It was so cool. <laughs> yeah. So it's sort of those like magical moments where you're just present and in the moment and experiencing things that I think are the coolest rather than, like you said, the touristy moments where you're paddling up to wild ponies or there are, although, although dolphins are really cool too, because you just never know when you're going to see them. Exactly. Yeah. I always get excited for the dolphins. Definitely. Um, so let's talk about Virginia water trails and specifically um, Virginia water trails is a resource that connects locals and visitors to world-class ecotourism destinations in Virginia. So what is your role with Virginia water trails? Um, so that's uh, has a little story behind it, I guess. Uh, the the Virginia Water Trails website, the resource was developed through uh, like a collaboration between different uh, planning district commissions and tourism commissions. And uh, once they launched the site, they then they were looking for somebody to manage some social media, do some ad design and write a whole bunch of blogs, paddle the trails and paddle and write about it. Um, and around the time they were looking for somebody, I had just completed a course called the Virginia Certified Eco Tour Guide course. Um, and through my contacts in the course, 
I actually found this opportunity, submitted a proposal, and uh, I've been running their Facebook, their Instagram, and I write about, I'd say about half to two thirds of the blogs that are on the site right now. Um, it's really been a dream come true to just go paddle. I've paddled probably 60 miles of the trail so far and taken a bajillion photos and videos. It's It's been a lot of fun. So you get to promote Virginia Water Trails, which is amazing. And I became aware of Virginia Water Trails just recently. It's, it's a fairly new resource, isn't it? It is. I'd say the website Mm, don't quote me on this, but I would say it's it's only about two years old, maybe three. Um, and the social media just got started a year ago. Yeah. So some of my sources on, on the Eastern Shore and on the Northern Neck mentioned to me that some people got together and decided to create this resource so that people could find trails to paddle, just like you would look for a hiking trail, which I think is so smart because there's so much information out there about hiking trails. There's not that much information about yes. water trails. So I was really excited to see that somebody had the idea to put this together. And I think it's a wonderful resource. So if someone were to visit virginiawatertrails.org, right? Dot org, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Virginiawatertrails.org. Uh, what kind of useful information can they find on the site? There is so much information on the site. It's it's once you start clicking around, there's a wealth of things. So obviously, first, the most useful tool on the website has got to be the maps. They're interactive. Uh, they are you can zoom in, zoom out. You can find uh, different levels of uh, difficulty. Uh, they're color coded. You can open the map legend and pull up all the launch access, water access locations in that region. It is. It also has uh, a layer for the Virginia Oyster Trail locations. Um, mm -hmm. And if you're not familiar with the Oyster Trail, it's uh, basically a tourism uh, initiative to get people to visit these same areas and experience uh, the the culture of rural coastal Virginia. And so, while you're choosing which trail to paddle, you can also choose where you might want to stay or where you want to eat or which brewery you want to go to afterwards, which is nice and handy to have. Um, and then aside from the maps, I mean, the maps are like the, the meat of the, the website, I would say. Uh, there's information on finding uh, certified eco tour guides, other people who have taken that same course I mentioned before uh, that can either take you out kayaking or some of them are are have oyster farms. They do tours of their oyster farms. Um, some of the oyster farms you can kayak to, which is really awesome. I did that a few times in my travels. And uh, there's an events calendar on there that uh, lists the big exciting events that happen in the towns along the oyster trail, like the Urbana Oyster Festival and there's uh, the Chincoteague Seafood Festival, stuff like that. I'm missing something. Oh, uh, the safety. Uh, there's a trail tips page, discusses, uh, gives you resources on where to find the tide charts and weather forecasts and some just general safety tips about uh, to take into consideration before you go explore the water trails. 
Yeah, it's a wonderful site packed full of pretty much all the information you would need, which is good because I think for a lot of people, kayaking can feel intimidating. You're going out into a space that isn't exactly marked. And so you're just sort of out there on the water. And a lot of people are too afraid to go too far away from where they launched from because they don't, you know, they don't want to get lost or, or hit by a boat or, you know, what other, (laughs) what other ideas, um, you know, or concerns that they might have about being out on the water. So um, I think it's a wonderful place just to orient yourself with paddling and to find the information that maybe you wouldn't have even thought that you need to know, like tides. Right, exactly. Yeah, I feel like tides is a perfect example. A lot of people don't even know in coastal Virginia that they need to think about tides or where to (laughs) check that information. Uh, Yes, I I could tell you stories about how I didn't read a tide chart (laughs) and some situations (laughs) I got myself into. (laughs) I have a couple of those stories myself, but I won't get into them today. (laughs) I don't need to embarrass myself um, anymore. But yeah, so there's just wonderful information on there. But I also like the events calendar because like you said, if you want to go to one of these um, Coastal Virginia events, they're all on there and you could easily make a trip out of it, of going to a festival and spending time on the water. Um, the Virginia Oyster Trail website has wonderful resources about where to eat, where to stay um, overnight, artisan shops, like little Main Street, um, in- information on Main Streets. It's just, it's so wonderful to be able to plan an entire trip around that, that I think right. anybody could it, it could go to the website and easily um, find all the information you need to make a whole event out of it. Yeah, definitely. And if you're like overwhelmed by the amount of information, I did put together some blog posts that are kind of like itineraries, suggested itineraries on things to do and how many trails are, can you really uh, feasibly paddle in a weekend stay, that kind of thing. Oh, cool. Wonderful. And I know you're going to have some recommendations for us. Before we get into those recommendations, I think we definitely need to talk about safety. And as you mentioned, the Virginia Water Trail site has a page called Trail Tips, which is all of the safety tips that they need to know. So can you just give people an overview of the information that they would need for safety? Sure. Um, So I am an American Canoe Association uh, level one kayak instructor. I've been uh, leading kayak tours for 16 years and have led some trainings as well. Um, I could probably record a whole nother podcast episode with you on safety, but I'll I'll try to do an overview. Um, So first and foremost, wear a life jacket. Some people call it PFD, personal flotation device. Uh, The Coast Guard requires that you have one on board. I take it a step further and I require all my friends to wear one when they go paddling with me. And the other small thing that is required by the Coast Guard is that everybody has to have a whistle. And that's something that's overlooked. It seems minor, but uh, you can get checked if a Coast Guard boat comes by and checks you out. uh, They want to see a whistle. Taking it a step further, I recommend to always paddle with a buddy or several buddies. And um, sometimes it's hard when you're first starting out to try to find other people who who have kayaks to go paddling with, Um, but it's definitely really, really important. Um, I paddle solo a lot myself. Uh, I don't recommend doing that until you're kind of at an advanced level and you've taken courses on how to know how to how to do a self rescue if you are to to 
tip over um, and capsize. And I always say it's not a matter of if you'll fall in, it is a matter of when. Um, so just being prepared for those situations is, is crucial if you're going to go by yourself. If you're, you can go out with a guide and you can certainly go on the, the listing of eco tour guides on the Virginia Water Trails website. And uh, they can, there's different guides that can take you out to different places. Uh, if you choose to rent kayaks, if you don't have it, I would start out, if you're a beginner, just start out with like one to three miles. I uh, wouldn't try to go much more than that. Um, and then you can add miles as you get more and more comfortable. And then the other thing, two other things. One, float plan. And that's basically telling somebody where you're going, when you plan to be back, and make sure that they're responsible enough to uh, report it if you don't come back when you're supposed to. Um, and also checking the weather, uh, checking the wind. A lot of people just think, oh, I need to make sure it's not raining or thunder thunderstorming. Uh, checking wind is extremely important for a beginner. I say if the wind is predicted to be over 10 knots, don't go. Um, we could get into the, the details of the direction of the wind and where you're paddling and all that kind of stuff, but that's a, that's a whole nother conversation. And then we also briefly mentioned tides earlier. Tides definitely, uh, when you're closer to the coast near inlets, the tidal currents are going to be stronger. So knowing when the tide is coming out, where you're going, are you going to be paddling against it? Or when the tide's coming in, are you going to be paddling against it? So keeping all those things in mind is extremely important. Um, and then I thought of another thing, um, having a form of communication, a cell phone, or I even bring a handheld VHF radio um, in the case where I need to contact the Coast Guard and I don't have, I don't have cell signal. So uh, definitely a form of communication. Okay. So when it comes to tides, should you attempt to time your trip so that you're paddling with the tides and not against it? That's always preferable. Yes. Uh, so let's say you're, you're headed out towards the barrier islands. It's nice to be able to ride the tide out and then ride the tide back in. So you kind of hang out on the island until the tide changes and then bring and ride the tide back in. Um, it's not always possible. You can't always time your time it perfectly. Um, so if you think you're going to be piling against the tides, just, just be ready for a workout. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, you mentioned earlier something about nesting seabirds. So if you are paddling out to a barrier island, what sort of wildlife concerns do you need to be aware of? So I am so glad that you just brought that up. Um, many of the islands are managed, uh, they're owned and managed by the Nature Conservancy. A couple of them are managed by the state. And there are several species of birds that are beach nesters. Uh, we're talking like piping plovers, American oyster catchers, things like that. And they wreck many of the islands are closed below the high tide line um, from like March to the end of August or early September. Uh, so it's it's really important to do your do your research um, before you you paddle out to the barrier islands. A really, really great resource. I cannot 
um, express this enough that is um, exploreourseaside.org. And it is a wonderful website that breaks down all the islands, who manages which islands, what restrictions. Some islands, there's no day use allowed at all. You can't go to the island at all. Some you're allowed to just go for the day. There's rules about dogs and and having campfires and, and all that kind of stuff. So before going to the Barrier Islands, I tell everybody, go to exploreourseaside.org. Okay. And so that would give you an idea of where you're allowed to go, where you're not allowed to go, and when. Does it also tell you what type of wildlife you need to be cognizant of? I don't know if it goes into specific species, but those beach nesters, the the birds that, that nest right on the beach in the, in the area where all the shells are washing up, um, those are the main focus of the, the wildlife protection efforts that are going on there. Okay. And I presume as long as you stay in your kayak or canoe or on your paddleboard and you keep a distance, is that okay? Yeah, for the most part. And they will have some signage around. Um, I know some of the islands have some areas that are roped off. Uh, so it's just paying attention to the signage and, and checking out that website before you go. This is always my favorite part is going into specifics about trails that people can actually try. Now, the Virginia Water Trails website is broken up into four regions or four categories. There's the Northern Neck, the Middle Peninsula, the Lower Chickahominy, and the Eastern Shore. So why don't we, Laura, maybe pick a couple of trails that you would recommend in each region? What do you think about that? Yeah, that sounds great. Okay, wonderful. And maybe if you could also just to, like give a quick overview of what each region is like and, and where it's located before you give some examples. And let's start with the Northern Neck. Hi, friends. I need to pause this episode for just a moment. Every episode of Virginia Outdoor Adventures is free to listeners, but it's not free to produce. Podcasting is a full-time job, and I'm a one-person show, spending countless hours on production and promotion in order to bring you the best possible show about outdoor recreation in Virginia. Your support means so much. Not only do small contributions help cover the production costs of the podcast, but if I'm being honest, every new donation is a huge morale boost because it lets me know that someone appreciates all the hard work and effort I put into this podcast. If you value Virginia Outdoor Adventures as a resource or for building an outdoor community right here in Virginia, please consider supporting me. Hit pause on your podcast player, go to your show notes, and click on Buy Me a Coffee, where you can buy me a virtual coffee or sign up for a membership. Every little bit helps, and a membership is an easy way to sustain the show over time. If you have already contributed on Buy Me a Coffee, thank you so much for your contribution. I appreciate everyone who has donated, shared the show, or reached out to me. Getting to know my listeners and meeting so many wonderful people who love Virginia as much as I do has been the best part of hosting this show. Thank you again for your support. So the Northern Neck, uh, I... Before I really started paddling in Virginia, I didn't even know what the Northern Neck was. <laughs> um, so it's it's basically the land that's sandwiched between the Potomac River and the Rappahannock. And uh, I would say the Northern Neck is very much known for its history and its oysters. Uh, there's probably 
those those are the things that come to my mind. I'm sure other that's subjective, and other people would mention some other things. But um, there's some great historic sites. There's the Minokin Foundation. There's Stratford Hall, um, George Washington Birthplace. Um, so there's some really great history to explore on the peninsula. And then um, oysters. There's a couple of oyster farms. I actually visited one of them called Rogue Oysters. Uh, had a great time learning about their facility. Uh, they're just those are the two things that come to mind when I think Northern Neck is oysters and history. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Um, Westmoreland State Park is there. And so I often, if I'm staying at Westmoreland, I'll hit up some of those um, places that you just mentioned. But there's a brewery there, too. Is it Mont Montrose or Montrose? How do you pronounce that? You um, I think it's Montrose. I actually, they have an Airbnb upstairs above the brewery. And that's where I stayed when I went to the Northern Neck. So yeah, that's right. Really cool. <laughs> I, I met the owner online and she's really awesome and also invited me to come stay at that Airbnb. So that's an oh, option. Nice. Yeah, she's she's great. Um, but I love that you could like paddle up to some of these locations too, right? And isn't that what you did? Yeah. So um, there's, I actually did a blog post on, on places that you could paddle to and just visit from the waterside. Uh, so one of my favorite spots that I explored while I was there was Cat Point Creek. And uh, it's right, uh, right where the Minokin Foundation is. It's a historic site. Uh, they, they describe themselves as the most engaging preservation project in America. Um, and I haven't seen every pre preservation project in America, but I, they might be right. It, it was a really interesting site, a lot of great history there. Um, and they have a they have a kayak launch on their, their site. So you drive down this gravel hill. And actually I had to like drive through a grassy field, which felt wrong, but it was correct. And then I, I drove down this gravel road down a hill to get to the kayak launch and uh, launch Launched my kayak at, at on Cat Point Creek, and uh, it was gorgeous. It was there was again. It was that feeling that I got on the eastern shore of just not being able to see or hear any sign of human life. And when you're paddling up the creek there, and you're just taking in like that silence and just like hearing the birds, it you can really imagine what life was like. Um, back when Minokin was like a, a, a thriving area. And, and so when you have all this quiet, protected land around it, it's, it just makes you feel, it's like you can feel the presence of the people that lived there over 200 years ago. What is the name of the water trail again? It's Cat Point Creek. Okay. And is that one that you can find on the Virginia Water Trails website? It is. Yep. Go to the oh. Northern Neck. It's um, a creek off the Rappahannock River. And it's a, it's a beginner's level. So look for the green. Perfect. Yeah, I like how they're color coded because then, especially for me, I gravitate right towards the green. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe occasionally a yellow one if it looks interesting, but the green is where I like to start. It seems to me like most of the green ones are all sort of inland and I don't I haven't seen any green trails on open water. They seem to be like all tucked in where it would be relatively calm. Yes. And and that's done on purpose. There are some areas where it's you're subject to stronger winds and boat wakes or wakes from larger boats that are going by. So most of the green trails are in protected little creeks. And honestly, those are the most beautiful <laughs> in, in most cases. Oh, I totally agree. That's where all the wildlife is. Like when you're out on the open water, you 
I mean, you might see like an osprey soaring overhead or an eagle, or you might see, you may see something below you because the water is usually a little bit deeper when you're out on the open water. But when you're in the inlets and it's quiet, like that's where you see all the movement of things that are in the water and where you see the birds close up and you might actually have an eagle perched on a tree, like feet from where you are in your boat. And that's so cool. (laughs) Okay. Did you have another one for Northern Neck or should we move on to Middle Peninsula? Um, The other thing was one of the the open water ones is Fleets Island. Um, And I like Fleets Island because there's like an interior to Fleets Island that has another beginner's level trail called the Little Oyster Creek. Um, I chose to do the advanced one and I circumnavigated the island. um, But that's where I got to see dolphins. There was uh, there was an oyster farm that I could view. I didn't meet anybody out there, Um, but that was also a pretty, pretty cool paddle. So can you, you mentioned that you could just paddle right up to an oyster farm. Are are there like people out there working on the oyster (laughs) farm? Are they going to look at you like you're crazy when you paddle up? I mean, Uh, what's the story there? (laughs) Probably, probably. So the ones that I, that you can paddle up to, you want to prearrange with. um, So for example, rogue oysters, they are wonderful. Um, So they will, Taryn and Aaron, husband and wife, and they, uh, they are more than welcome to show anybody around their farm. You can see the the um, the nursery for the the tiny little tiny little oysters that they're growing inside, and then um, I actually toured their land based part of the farm. Uh, by foot. And then the next morning I paddled out and met Aaron as he took the boat out to uh, the, out to the river where the rest of the larger oysters are. And I got to uh, watch him haul some of the oysters out of the, out of the river. It was really cool. Cool. And can you purchase oysters from them too? You can. Yeah. As long as you pre-order like two or three days in advance, I think, um, and bring a cooler. Uh, Yeah. It's, it's a really neat experience. Okay, so you can tour and you can meet the owner and then you can also bring home dinner. You can. Yeah. Interesting. That's something I'm going to have to do. That sounds awesome. Um, Okay, let's move on to the Middle Peninsula. This is south of the Northern Neck. Yes. So this would be between the Rappahannock and the York River. So uh, the Middle Peninsula is is just as rural um, as the the Northern Neck. It is uh, the things that come to mind when I think of the Middle Peninsula is again oysters because the Urbana Oyster Festival. Um, I think Matthews County tourism. Matthews County has some amazing water trails, um, and then the New Point. Comfort Lighthouse is kind of the icon of of Matthews County. Uh, There's also the town of Gloucester that has a, excuse me, I said it wrong, Gloucester, uh, that has a great little brewery and some places to uh, get a good meal. And then if you go further up, if you drive, I drove like an hour up up the peninsula and paddled uh, the the Mattapanai River, and uh, I did a couple miles on that. So that you get it. There is a nice variety of of water trails on the Middle Peninsula. Yeah, you know, it's also interesting. Um, we haven't really talked about finding locations to launch your boat, but there's a lot of state parks that are in these areas. Um, the last episode that came out, I was talking to my guest Aaron Gifford about Belle Isle State Park, and I 
I accidentally said that it was on Middle Peninsula when it's really on the northern neck. But <laughs> <laughs> she was like, I think it's on the northern neck or maybe it's Middle Peninsula. I said, no, it's Middle Peninsula. And then I looked on the map um, before we started recording and I went, oh, nope, I was totally wrong. But that's because you go through the little town of Tappahannock and then yes. you cross the bridge over the Rappahannock and then you end up on the northern neck to get to Belle Isle. Well, Tappahannock is on Middle Peninsula. So that's why it confused me. But gotcha. there are as far as like where to launch your boat there are lots of state parks in the area but other than that where else can you launch your boat um so i actually i maybe this sounds terrible but i i stay away from the state parks um the, a lot of time i mean we all know that since the pandemic state parks have been just overrun with people um so i like to go to boat ramps and other other kayak launches in the area and one way that i found some of these areas to launch were on the virginia water trails maps and you just click the legend and you click I think it's public access points and they all pop up. And most of the places I went, I didn't see another car there. It was just me launching at the site. That's great. Yeah, I did notice that most of the trails have a start point, which I assume is a boat launch. Um, yes. And I know also the Virginia DWR website has a lot of boat launch locations too. So that's another great resource. Um, did you have another trail in Middle Peninsula that you wanted to recommend? Yeah, I, there's there was two that kind of stuck out. I, I paddled a bunch of them, but the Mattapanai was like a nice, um, it's marked as intermediate, uh, but I think only because of the length, like you could shorten it, you could do an out and back and make it shorter. Um, but it was just like, it felt like a lazy river. Like I just put my kayak in and I barely had to paddle and <laughs> it was just, just floated down the river for a few miles. Um, so that was really, and it was shaded too. There was a lot of shade, which is rare when you get into coastal Virginia. So to find a, a nice paddle that's shaded. Uh, and then the other one is over on the coast. This was a little bit more advanced, but the Bethel Beach area, there's Bethel Beach Natural Area Preserve where uh, you can launch a kayak or I actually launched a couple miles south of there at a boat ramp and then I paddled and finished at Bethel Beach. But some of the coastline on the on the very edge of the Middle Peninsula was strikingly different than what I expected. I just expected very flat marshlands. And there was one area where there was like an inlet and I paddled into the inlet and then into a creek. So I went from, from the bay, the open bay into a creek and, and the water got real swirly in there because of the tides. Um, but there was like a, almost like a cliff. Uh, it was pretty, I'm not a good judge of, of distance, but probably 50 to 75 feet high, uh, which I just wasn't expecting to see. It was clear that there was some problems with some erosion, but it was just like a, a landscape I wasn't expecting to see when I went out there. So that was neat to see. Yeah, a lot of the areas along the major rivers have big drop offs and big cliffs like that. Like when I think of Westmoreland State Park, they have huge of, cliffs. Yes, of course. Yeah. So um, that doesn't surprise me too much, but that just sort of adds to the drama of it all, right? Like things yes. that you don't expect are always a wonderful surprise. Yes, definitely. Um, and Bethel Beach is a place that some of my guests have mentioned before, and so is Comfort Point Lighthouse. Now, what's the story with Comfort Point? I know that there's some history behind it, and then a hurricane, I think in the 1930s, flooded the area. So isn't it only accessible by paddling? That is a great question. So... I tried to paddle out there, but the wind, it was too windy. Um, and, at, but it, 
appeared that it was only accessible by paddling, but I guess you could also get to it by boat, of course. Um, I think I read an article, and I'm no expert on the history of the lighthouse, but I think I read an article where there uh, were some times when uh, you could walk out to the point and, and it was connected by land. And I guess um, there's been some erosion. And I guess at very low tides, you might still be able to almost get out there. But um, again, the day that I went out there was super windy. The tide was up. Um, <laughs> and so me getting to the lighthouse was definitely not happening that day. Yeah. No, I, now that's sounding familiar because I, um, I had a guest in season one, Kevin Divins, who talked about it. And he said, you, you could get out there by foot when it's low tide, but then you have to always be watching because if this tide comes in, then you get stranded <laughs> out at the lighthouse. Yeah. And seriously. you can't get back. So you have, you know, it's a risky thing to go out there um, by walking if you maybe can't get back. Yeah. And another thing that I have heard, and I went on like a Monday morning, so there wasn't much going on. But uh, the I, I get the idea that that area is, is a hot spot for party boats. So I try when I'm paddling to stay away from boats in general. So uh, I think it can get quite a bit of boat traffic in that area as well. Mm, yeah, good to know, especially with the beaches being nearby. But that's on my bucket list. It's something I would definitely like to do because, you know, paddling to a historic lighthouse is not something you could just do every day. So right, right. I definitely want to give that one a try. Um, let's do the other peninsula that we have yet to talk about, which is the Lower Chickahominy. Sure. So Lower Chickahominy, is I, I would say the area around the river is pretty rural. Um, and so it fits into the theme of that rural coastal, coastal Virginia, um, but Williamsburg is not far at all. And there's a couple of Virginia oyster sites, uh, Virginia oyster trail sites along the way there. Um, the one paddle that I did that really stuck out in this region was the, the Gordon and Nettles creeks. And uh, the I love paddling a loop when I can. Whenever I can avoid doing an out and back and there's the loop option, I'm going for the loop. And uh, you can launch right there at the boat ramp at the Chickahominy Riverfront Park. And it's about, I want to say it was about six miles or so, a round trip. And and it was so gorgeous. Like just the the almost freshwater wetlands at that point. And so there's like different different blooming plants or pickerel, re pick pickerel weed, the purple flower that grows in, in wetlands like that, that I don't normally see over, over uh, on the Eastern shore. It was just um, really, really pretty back there. Some bald cypress trees that were just popping up right out right next to the marsh. Uh, it was a really, really beautiful paddle. And again, it was a loop, which I'm always all for loop trails. The other, this was kind of an advanced paddle, and even I almost almost capsized on this trip. Was um, I circumnavigated the, the Jamestown Island, which of course has some great history there. Definitely worth uh, worth a visit on land as well. Uh, but I got into there are some funny little currents when you go under the bridge that that connects uh, the the mainland to the island. Um, and I nearly fell out. I, I was very panicked for about five seconds. Um, and, and the wind picked up when I was there and it, it was, I definitely recommend that for advanced paddlers, but it was, I felt very accomplished. Um, I got to paddle underneath the, the little, 
ferry bridge, I guess you could call it, the, the little pier that sticks out for people that are taking the ferry across the James River. Um, I went out and got under it just fine. And by the time I got back, the tide had come in and I barely squeezed underneath that thing. <laughs> oh um, I, I was like hunkering down inside my kayak and like trying to lay as flat as possible. But I got I got through um, and felt pretty accomplished at the end of that paddle. Wow. But I think the lesson there for the listeners is this is what can happen if you attempt an advanced paddle and you're not prepared yes, for it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So it's not a joke. Definitely um, make sure you pay attention to the the level that you're choosing and being very aware of what your strengths and weaknesses are. Absolutely. So now we have the Eastern Shore, which I know is your favorite. <laughs> <laughs> How long have you been living out? Um, and I know you said you live on the beach. How long have you lived out on the beach? So I've lived over on this side of the Chesapeake Bay. Gosh, we're going on uh, 16 years, 18 years, something like that. <laughs> wow. What is that like? I mean, you're married and you have a son and I uh -huh. see that you guys get to spend a lot of time on the water. What, what, what do you enjoy about living in that area? I, I love being able to just get out on the water whenever we want. We don't have a boat. Some people are surprised to hear that, that we're such outdoorsy, beachy people and we don't have a boat, but um, we just love kayaking. And our son has taken to kayaking. He, he doesn't paddle yet by himself, but that's coming soon. Um, and my husband's a huge kayak fisherman. Uh, we go crabbing from our kayaks. We've gone clamming from our kayaks. Um, just having, we eat fresh seafood all throughout the spring, summer, and fall, and even some in the winter, if we get enough in the freezer. <laughs> um, and I, we just love that lifestyle. Like we never buy seafood at the grocery store. Uh, it's, it's, and there's just something, it's, this sounds silly, but like just being near the salt air and being able to go to the ocean whenever I want, it's like a dream come true. That's amazing. Yeah, I could see where that would draw you in and, and you would never want to leave. Yeah, I, I don't want to leave. I love it here. So recommend some good water trails for the Eastern Shore. So the first kind of a touristy thing to do, but you got to do it. It's, it's a beginner's level is to go paddle over and see the famous wild ponies of Shingateague. Uh, if you launch at uh, Veterans Memorial Park on Shingateague Island and you just cross the channel and into the marsh creeks right on the other side, you're going to see ponies. Um, I, I was amazed at how close uh, there's a certain, you had to stay a certain distance away from them. And sometimes it was hard because you're paddling around the, the bend of a creek and all of a sudden there's your, the creek's right next to the horse uh, or the pony. Um, but uh, it's, it's really cool to see. It's, it's your kayak can get up much closer than, than say you take one of the, the wildlife viewing pontoon boat, there's several, uh, you can, when you're paddling, you can get so much closer and, and further up some of the creeks and explore so much more than if you were to get on uh, one of the pontoon boats. There's lots of uh, tour guides in the area that can take you out to see the ponies from the water as well. 
Yeah. And especially from the trails, I know that um, I've been out there with some friends who really wanted to see the ponies and we're up and down all the trails trying to find them. And, you know, when you do find them, sometimes they're close, but sometimes they're pretty far in the distance. Yeah. And yeah, having, having, binoc yeah, having binoculars can help, especially if you want to see them, you know, sort of grazing and being out in the marshy area. Now, sometimes you pull into the parking lot and they're right there in the parking lot. <laughs> so That's just, true. <laughs> yeah, it completely depends. But if you sort of want to see them in a natural setting and not walking up to people's cars, <laughs> then, you know, doing it on the water is just a really interesting way to have that experience. Right. I guess two other spots. I, I uh, paddled out of a tiny little, it's not even a town, it's a zip code um, called Hacksneck. Um, it is on the Chesapeake side and I, it was one of the recommendations on the Virginia Water Trails website. And I'm like, put it in my Google Maps and I'm like driving to this launch. And I, I was like, I must have made a wrong turn. Like I am now in some some waterman's backyard. Like this cannot be right. Um, but I followed through with Google Maps and I was like, okay, like Virginia Water Trails, where are you taking me? And sure enough, I drove like right through a, like a wa working waterfront area and uh, got past the boats and there was a tiny little parking area and a small launch to launch, uh, launch kayaks. And so I parked my car, unloaded my boat and headed out into the bay and it was kind of a lower tide, I would say. And so there was some larger sandbars that were exposed and it was like I found my own private island and hung out on that for a little while and explored. And then I kept going north past Harborton and I paddled through a pot of dolphins right at the, the mouth of uh, Harborton. Uh, it was just really, it was such a great, great experience. And um, I kept paddling. I think I paddled like eight or 10 miles and I wanted to do a one way. And there's a new startup company uh, that does shuttle services and, and they're kind of like Uber and uh, independently owned two guys started it up. And I had set up ahead of time. I was like, can you pick me up at this random <laughs> little shoreline? I gave him a pin drop on Google maps and, and sent it to him. And sure enough, he was there waiting for me. He loaded my kayak on top of his car and, and drove me back to Hacksneck so I could get to my car. It was, it was a really fun day. Oh my gosh. How cool. I didn't know something like that existed, but what a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. It was, I, I, he did say that I was the first kayak that he had ever shuttled. Um, I hope he got to do more. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Is that a beginner's trail? I would say if you paddle out of Harborton, um, areas can be a beginner's trail. Um, but once you get out into the open bay, that's that's when it's subject to wind and distance. Um, so it can get into in intermediate level for sure. Mm -hmm, I see. Um, so what do you do about bugs? Because I know that the Eastern Shore and, and also some of the other areas we mentioned first get really buggy. How do you manage mosquitoes and other things? I really have very few stories about bugs. I I paddle typically in the middle of the day, which some people would not want to do because, you know, you got the strong sun. It's really, really hot. But that's when the bugs are minimal. Um, once you get well, the sun starts going down and it's dusk and the noceums come out and that's what's miserable. Uh, another thing is, is 
I feel like the bugs are closer to land. So I encounter fewer bugs when I'm on the water. So I, I, I have bug spray in my dry bag for emergency situations, but I have, I can only think of one time when I, I pulled it out to use it. Wow. Oh, well, that's good to know because I, I often wonder about that. I have not had too many issues either i also carry like a bug net for your head uh -huh. with me in case it ever gets bad but i have not needed to pull it out while i was kayaking and then what about sun protection we we kind of you know you mentioned it for a moment earlier but what do you need to do especially if you're out in the middle of the day and, you, and the sun's coming down from above and it's reflecting off the water what do you do to make sure you don't get burned um, of course hat and sunscreen always um, i'm now a fan of wearing just like the the moisture wicking long sleeves uh long pants that are they still keep you relatively cool uh, but they're keeping those harmful rays off of you um my my husband has like one of those it, it almost looks like one of the gaiters that everybody's been wearing since the pandemic but he'll he'll pull that up so and you can't see any of his face like he'll have his sunglasses, his hat, and then his his gaiter covering the rest of his face and his neck. Um, he also, I should get these, but you can get like like sleeves, just sleeves for your, <laughs> like uh -huh. if you have a short sleeve shirt on and then you have like the, the um, what do you, they're just sleeves. I don't know yeah. what they're called, but. I have bicycling um, sleeves, so I assume yeah. they're like the same thing. Exactly, exactly. So just cover up as much as possible. Yeah, no, I'm glad to hear that your husband does that because I do it too. And I get looks from people sometimes. <laughs> but, <laughs> but like, I'd rather get funny looks from people than be burned or, you know, have permanent skin damage for the right. rest of my life that can't be reversed. So I'm perfectly fine, like completely covered from top to bottom. I don't care. Um, but right. I, I think like having clothing that air can circulate in is really important too, because it gets really hot out there, especially in the summer. Uh, one funny thing, I, I took a friend out kayaking one one day and uh, we were in the middle of nowhere. We did run into one person and he was he was on a small boat fishing and uh, he had one of those gators like pulled up over his nose and his mouth. You couldn't see any of his face. And once we got out of earshot, my friend was like, what? Who is he going to run into here? That he thinks he's going to catch COVID. <laughs> I was like, no, I, I am pretty sure that's sun protection. <laughs> yeah, that's really funny because yeah, when COVID started, having a neck gaiter was like, I was like, I always had a mask with me. <laughs> yeah, and even now, like, I sometimes will have it pulled up, and I'll pass somebody on the trail, and I, I, I could tell by the way they're looking at me that that's what they're thinking. They're like, <laughs> why is she still covering her face out here in the woods? two years later. And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm really just trying to keep the sun off myself. Yep. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, Laura, thank you so much for those recommendations. How can listeners connect with you and with Virginia Water Trails? Uh, so just the easiest way is through the Virginia Water Trails social platform. So Facebook and Instagram. Um, send. I'm the one that receives the messages. So um, that's the best way to get in touch with me when it comes to water trails. 
Perfect. And I'll put links to that in the show notes so that people can click directly on the site and be able to find you. Um, Laura, what I think is really interesting about you is that you're not just a paddler. Uh, you're also an avid hiker and you recently completed hiking every trail on the Delmarva Peninsula. And you made this awesome website called Delmarva Trails and Waterways.com, which is a, like a resource for hiking, walking, biking trails, as well as paddling information. Do you want to describe your site and what it offers people who are visiting the peninsula? Um, sure. Uh, I I haven't hiked every trail just yet, but I'm getting close. <laughs> um, but it, I, I call it a one-stop shop for all public outdoor spaces on Delmarva. And uh, it has a searchable map and a searchable database of different hiking trails and beaches, piers, uh, kayak launches, and and there's links to each agency website that that manages each facility. Um, I I did listen to Aaron Gifford's episode with you earlier this morning, and uh, I sort of met her through social media last year. And uh, what she's doing with Go Hike Virginia was just, I, I felt like I was doing something similar to what she was doing for the Delmarva Peninsula. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have all the awesome blogs that she has, but um, it, it just, it reminded me of it so much. Yeah, actually, I do see the similarities between the two. So Go Hike Virginia is a resource for hiking trails. And your Delmarva Trails and Waterways.com is very similar, but it's it's specific to the peninsula. So anybody who's visiting Delaware, Maryland, or Virginia can use your site to find trails in and like, what I like is that the variety of trails that are on there is great too. Like you, if you want to just go for a simple walk, you have something like that on there. You know, some right. people hear the word hike and they're like, oh, do I need to have hiking boots? You know, do I need to be really <laughs> in shape? And this is just like easy stuff, um, biking trails, boat launches. I think it's wonderful. And it does, like you said, reminds me a lot of Go Hike Virginia. So I think what the two of you are doing is, uh, is very cool and is an awesome resource for folks. Well, thank you. It was fun to put together. I think we're going to have to wrap this up pretty soon. But before we do, I wanted to know what is one piece of gear you can't live without? Uh, pockets on my life jacket. <laughs> <laughs> I I need a spot for my phone so I can check the GPS. I need a spot for my VHF radio and at least one granola bar. Oh my God, that is so true. I did a video once, I think it was last year where I was talking about my life ja- my life jacket because I just bought it. And the one thing that I looked for when I was shopping for a new one was how many pockets did it have? And people yep. don't think about that, you know, like maybe if you <laughs> fish, you might think about it because like vests that are specific for fishing are full of pockets. But if you're just looking to, you know, paddle recreationally or occasionally, people don't think about pockets, but like that's where my car keys go. Like that's where yep. my phone goes goes like without those pockets I don't know where I'd put that stuff yeah I actually brought my phone and my VHF radio and a granola bar into the store with me so I could test it out (laughs) (laughs) that's actually really smart can I ask what brand you have uh it's astral okay okay I'm trying to remember which one that I I have now I should have looked before Anyway, I don't remember, but the one that I have is made specifically for a woman's frame, which I found Uh is really unique. Like they don't, like most brands just have a men's version and then they have a smaller version in pink for women, which I'm 
totally against. (laughs) It's not not actually designed for women. They shrink it and pink it and they call it women's and that is maddening to me. Yeah. Um, Oh, I'm going to have to look for the link. Maybe if I find it, I'll stick the link in the show notes. And then the next question is, do you have a next big Virginia outdoor adventure? Uh, Well, aside from paddling more of the Virginia water trails, uh, something that my husband and I want to do is we went kayak camping to Mockhorn Island, which is down near the the tip of the eastern shore, and they do allow camping there. So our next adventure is to bring our son kayak camping, and hopefully that happens this season. And how old is he now? He's six. Oh, he's six. Okay. So since he's been two he's been paddling with you yep he he came paddling with us first time when he was just over two years old and then did you have any concerns about putting a toddler in a kayak uh yeah but (laughs) (laughs) i mean he had a nice fitted pfd he's with two very experienced paddlers so you know we he was in good hands yeah he must love it if he's been doing it since he was two yeah he's almost like nonchalant about it. He's like, oh, we're going kayaking again. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but I I can just see the type of um, the type of childhood memories you're you're making with him because the photos that you have of him exploring and I think there's a a really neat video. I think your husband is holding like a ray. Is that what they're called? What, What are the they look like stingrays, but they're not. They... Oh, you looked at my uh, my personal Instagram. Yeah, um, that was a he caught a skate. We were surf fishing, and that's what they're called. Yeah, yeah and uh, yeah, catching a skate is a lot more exciting when you have a a little one with you to to touch it and scream about it. <laughs> well, and it's you know it's flapping around, and it's, yep. you know it's really neat. Like some of the experiences that you're having with him are so cool. So thank I can, you. Yeah, that, that's that's really awesome, Laura. Thank you so much for being a guest on Virginia Outdoor Adventures. Everyone needs to go to virginiawatertrails.org um, and check out all the information that is there, and also check your show notes for links to connect with Laura. Thanks so much, Laura. Adventure on. Links and resources to everything discussed today are in the notes section of your listening app and on the website at virginiaoutdooradventures.com. If you enjoyed the show, please consider supporting me. The easiest and most impactful thing you can do is visit buymeacoffee.com backslash Jessica Bowser, where you can buy me a virtual coffee or sign up for a membership and receive a Virginia Outdoor Adventures vinyl sticker and a shout out on the show. I'm on a mission to build an outdoor community right here in Virginia. A donation or membership means you're supporting a local community of outdoor adventurers, a diverse platform that elevates everyone's voice, a resource of activities and locations close to home, local Virginia businesses, and women in podcasting and the outdoor industry. You can also support me by subscribing to the show on your listening app. Help spread the word by sharing the show or your favorite episode with friends or on social media. Last but not least, leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. I love hearing from my listeners. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Virginia Outdoor Adventures or on the website, virginiaoutdooradventures.com. Thanks for listening. Until next time, adventure on. Adventure on.